The reading tonight is taken from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, starting to read at verse 13, and can be found on the Bibles, which are in the um, arches, um, on page 1061. On the road to Emmaus. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they didn't see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it's true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the, way to, on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'll just start with a quick prayer. Father God, thank you that we have all been able to come together today to spend some time in your presence and learn more about you. I pray that as I speak, things that are of you will stick and anything that is not of you will pass away. Walks. Anybody like them? Personally, I love a good long walk. Whether alone or with companions, I find it feels productive And it clears my mind from any stresses of the day. And it's on a walk that we come across these disciples. However, 
I doubt they were feeling quite as positive about their journey. You see, the disciples were disappointed. The man that they had pinned all of their hopes on that seemed to have failed, they had put their trust in him, and for what? He was gone, and they were on their own. A bit like one might do after a particularly bad breakup, they left to go home. They needed to escape the place that represented so much pain and disappointment. They were returning to what they knew, the people they knew, the life that they knew. I'm sure the journey they were on was full of questions. How? Why? What next? We don't know a huge amount about their travels other than what's said in the passage. Were there moments of silence? Were they reminiscing about their times, talking about the good times? Or were they angry about the perceived loss of their life and livelihood from the past few years? When Jesus joined the men on the road, I feel it's quite understandable that they didn't recognize him. After all, their minds would have been whirling. They would have been confused, stressed. And they, so they weren't looking for him. You see, they had this preconceived idea of who God was, of who Jesus was, and what he was going to do. And the events that had occurred over those previous few days just didn't match up to that. Even having heard that Jesus was no longer in the tomb, they just couldn't believe that this man that they believed was going to come back in a flame of glory and take over Israel. Well, that wasn't happening. During this journey, Jesus came and walked alongside them. But they didn't recognize him. Now, that doesn't mean that Jesus wasn't there. They were just looking in the wrong place. In fact, they only recognized him when he was breaking bread. He was doing something very mundane. Even after he had stood beside them and walked alongside them and reminded them of all the scriptures and prophecies that specifically regarded his entire life and his resurrection, they still didn't recognize him. In fact, I imagine that they were wondering why this man was coming and grilling them all about someone that really was gone. What was the point? See, I think this teaches us that Jesus comes alongside us and reminds us of his truths, not just in those mountaintop, emotionally charged, fuzzy-feeling moments, but also in the day-to-day, the mundane, the nothing that special. Living in 2018, we're fortunate enough to have seen the whole story. We, we, we know the mistake that the disciples made in giving up. We know that Jesus held true to his promise and really did rise again. Although the disciples had been able to know Jesus in person, to speak with him and to witness his miracles firsthand, the finality of death was just too much for them to overcome. In their minds, Jesus wasn't bigger than death after all. So take heart from this. If your faith feels weak, even the men who spent the most time with Jesus in the flesh still struggled to believe his promises when times got tough and it didn't seem like he was there. So I became a Christian when I was about 15. 
And there was no drama to it whatsoever. There was no lightning bolt from the blue. There was no warm, fuzzy feeling. There was no booming voice from the sky. Really, all that happened was I slowly came to realize that there was more to this whole Jesus thing than I had originally thought. I met so many sensible, rational, clever people who all had this faith. And I suddenly realized that, well, actually, I believe that the claims the Bible's making must be true. And since then, I wouldn't say I've ever felt God in a tangible way. I was the kind of person that would go to New Wine, and while people were having prophecies and visions and feelings of being close to God, if anything, I felt further away. It was frustrating. And now, at my university in Birmingham, I go to a fairly charismatic church, and the same happens there. People will be talking about how they were just chatting to God the other day, and it feels like an alien idea to me. And it can be very frustrating. This led, many, many times, to a crisis of faith. I cannot count the number of times that I have asked and cried out, where are you, God? Am I doing something wrong? Is there something wrong with me? Why won't you speak to me? And I'm sure I'm not alone in this. Most people seem to go through a stage where they feel like God is distant or not there at all. And this can be really hard, especially if it happens at a time where life just isn't going to plan. Now, in these these times, I feel like it's really helpful to know how you're wired to refill your spiritual battery, to refill your faith. For me, it's discussing and debating ideas to do with faith and who God is and the truth to do with Christianity. I find that when I'm sharing Jesus with non-Christians, for example, people at my university, I find myself realizing truths about him in a whole new way. And in a way that I can't always pinpoint just on my own intellect, however nice that would be. It's exciting and helps me to grasp more of the multifaceted nature of God. I also find that I like being in nature. The beauty and magnitude of the created world inspires me and points me towards the creator that had the power to do all of that and who created me. Focusing on the truths that form the foundation of our faith means that I can avoid some of those feelings that the disciples felt 2,000 years ago. I can remember those promises, know that Jesus fulfilled his promise 2,000 years ago and will fulfill the promises that he's made to us for the future. I won't lie, I still hold things in tension. I would love that in-the-moment connection with Jesus and I still find it frustrating when that doesn't happen. But the balance is finding the point of striving to know God in a deeper and different way, while appreciating and recognizing the ways that he's already active and present in your life. I love the verse in Hebrews 11, which says, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things unseen. It reminds me that if something's right in front of you, it's very easy to have faith. In fact, that's not really faith at all. That's just looking at something. And I find that failing all else, and I've got to this point many, many times, the most useful piece of advice ever given to me is that it's absolutely fine to pray for faith. In fact, it's encouraged. It's a gift given by the Holy Spirit. In Corinthians 12:9, it says... To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another the message of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. 
and to another gifts of healing by that one spirit. So this means that God wants to give us faith. In fact, he ranks it as highly as things like healing and wisdom that we seem to hold so highly in regard. And it's also not something that he expects for us to just magically conjure up from thin air as if it's of our doing. So what about you? What does faith look like for you? Are you in a place where faith feels easy? Or does God feel really far away or non-existent? I think in our modern world, it can be really hard to have faith. After all, we have an endless stream of negative news hitting us every day. We see our friends and family hurting. We have hurts done to us. And how do we have faith when that happens? Do you, like the disciples, have a preconceived idea of what God should do or should be? How he should act? You see, God always has a plan. He is always active in our lives. But we might not always see that or understand it or recognize it. In Corinthians 4.18, it says, While we look not at things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. How do you look at the things that are not seen? You see, the endless nature of God means that those possibilities are endless. Everybody has been created as individuals, and no two people will have a relationship with Jesus that looks exactly the same as anyone else's. In the same way that you have a different relationship with every single person that you care about, and you interact with them in a completely different way depending on the individual that they are, so too does God interact with each of his children in a way that is unique to them. For some people, this might mean receiving pictures, getting that warm, fuzzy feeling, prophesying. Others, it might be seeing nature and feeling at peace or reading scriptures. I expect that for most people, it'll be a wonderful combination of many different things. It won't just be one. And what I find is most important, and I will be the first to admit I am so unbelievably guilty of doing this, is that we shouldn't compare ourselves with anyone else to see our faith as lesser than anyone else's or our value as any more or anyone else's based on how they interact with God or how God interacts with them. See, the Bible states very categorically that God loves everybody the same doesn't matter what we do or don't do, we're still his children and he couldn't possibly love us more. Our varying varying ways of connecting with Jesus shouldn't be a barrier between us, something to pitch us up against each other with, but instead show us the many sides of God and we should celebrate this diversity and variety. Finally, like the disciples on the road to Emmaus, There will be times in our lives where all we want to do is walk away. It's too tough. God feels too far. I don't think he's even there at all. I would really encourage you to explore the ways in which you interact with God and God interacts with you now. Learn how you can reaffirm those truths in your life. 
so that you can fall back on these during harder times. As a way to reflect, I would love it if you were able to, if you went on your own walk. Grab one or two people around you and have a quick walk around the church. Talk about how you have faith in the unseen. In what ways do you feel like God interacts with you and you with him? What truths of God do you need to remember? And what would help you to focus on them? Pray together that you will know him in new and deeper ways. And that your faith will be strengthened through that. Amen. Well, you, ha- you have your marching orders. You've got them from Hattie. So, so the idea is you, you... So everyone stand, if you would stand. And grab, grab a partner or two or three. And have your little own Emmaus walk. Just wander wherever you will around the church. Stay within the church. Don't go down the road. That would be too far. But think about those things that, uh, that Hattie's been saying. And just chat with each other, just like those disciples did on the Emmaus Road. And when, when, when I think we're all exhausted, I'll bring us back in. And in the meantime, Sarah will give us some background music.